What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Craig Spodek, along with my co-host, Dr. Peter Bolden. And today, we are very excited to welcome our dear friend, Dr. Tim McNamara. We love you, buddy. So happy to have you here. Tim, what are we, what are we talking about today? Actually, let's just tell everyone. Let's just stop the suspense. Tim had a great idea. And... Uh, Tim always yeah. has good ideas, he by does. the way. He does. He's I, the I, smartest I, man in dentistry. No, I crowned him that. Don't stop taking credit. Well, for no, that. I don't care what you crown. It's not about who crowns him. It's just, yeah, yeah. I, it's an accolade for him. It's not like you know, he's, he's the smartest man in dentistry. Tim, we're going to let you talk in just a second. Stand, stand by. Stand um, by. Get, get ready. Do but some it's going to be knowing when to expand because that's something that the questions always pop up for people who are, uh, quote unquote, trying to pick our brains. Like, right, when, when to expand. I want to go to another practice. And sometimes, the, the formula doesn't support that movement. And so Tim's got some, some quantitative analysis almost, right? To, to say like, yeah, these are the things you need to check before you start looking at expansion. Lots of times we want to look at expanding just because we hear that narrative and that's what we should do. Meanwhile, our flagship is not really a flagship, right? It's, so it's, just, it's just like you're, you're expanding because you were, you were told that's what you do. So Tim, we're going to shut up and, and you're going to be the guest now. No more guests listening. Yeah, yeah. Well, the reason that this came up when we were just doing, you know, I don't even know if it was on a phone call or whatever we were doing. Uh, I hear it all the time as well, you know, and, and really it's more like this. It's uh, someone's doing like maybe a million or 1.2 in their practice, which is, which is, you know, something to celebrate. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to move to the other side of town and create my second practice. And I think what is not, uh, you know, understood or appreciated is probably a better way is that going from one to two is really difficult. Like as soon as you are not physically there managing and now you have it happening over here, now all of a sudden you're, you're dependent on really dialed in leadership and systems. And I, and I think that because we have success at one practice and, and we think that that, that that exact same kind of grit and hustle is going to translate into success at the second practice. And, and it's, it's uh, it's not like that. So what it's happens? It's not a step and repeat. I agree with you. Yeah, it's not a step no, and repeat. It, at when all. you go from from you know having um, you know managing your kids in your house and you're you're there present, that's different than you you know having children in in a house down the street. And I don't know where I'm going with this weird analogy, right? But I was actually thinking the same analogy. Like one kid is pretty. You start having two and three, and it's all of a sudden like, wait a second, I'm outmanned. Yeah, I'm yeah, right. Yeah, it's a so, different. So it's, exactly it's it. so, chaos. Yeah, and so I mean, you guys have seen it. I, I, I know. I know you've seen it. Uh, I certainly have seen it. But it goes like this: It goes, Doctor. You know, Doctor Awesome is doing really well at his one practice. Doctor Awesome goes and opens second practice, and all of a sudden, his life is not as fun anymore. And and practice one is paying for practice two, or practice one takes a big hit. And practice two now so I think it's wherever that doctor and that hustle and that grit is focused is where you know the light shines and a lot so of times what, working what needs to be twice as hard to make the same amount of money right yeah, three times and, as hard and I mean, leveraging it, it, more debt in the two meantime. is really difficult now Pete you know this you know Craig um, 
hasn't expanded, so he wouldn't under. No, no, no. He- <laughs> Yeah, I told him. Before oh, the call. Tim, why do you do that? Why did you do that before the show started? It was like Pete. He's like, I'm just joking with you. And then Tim, why are you jumping on Pete's vicious? No, you only expanded one time. It was just a big expansion. That was it. Right. So, you, but, so you need to sit back and let the let the adults talk. All right. Yeah. Perfect. But, Thanks, guys. But uh, but getting buddy. No, no, no. That hurts. It's on. I got. I got so. I've got so many little stings for both of you guys. So don't worry. So let it roll. Let it roll. Uh, so Pete, but when, let's say, so you go to the second practice and like, go back in your, in your history here, like walk down this journey. You went to your second practice. It probably was overwhelming. You mm-hmm. were doing clinical, you know, you figured it out, but the way you figured it out was you hired a leader who essentially could replace your leadership in both places. But when it got even easier is when you probably went from four to five because you already had the system. So four to five was totally different than one to two and that, that gap in the learning curve. Right. So, correct. So, so so I hear this all the time. Uh, you know, I'm ready to go from one to two or two to three. What, what I, what I immediately ask, and this is where you and I kind of started going, Hey, this might be a podcast episode. What I immediately try to help people to understand is, listen, if you can have 80 operatories in one location that you show up to versus eight operatories in 10 locations, you're going to fucking win. Like you will win faster, bigger, better, and have more hair. If you have a big, location. So what we're actually saying is to leverage your fixed assets. So make sure that you are just completely packed in that one office. And if you have a space next to it that you can expand into to add two more ops, or you can go up, or you could do that before you go and open on the other side of town. You'll just, it's just smoother. So yeah, there, are we start talking about like, there are unique challenges with that. But also, I want, oh, to point, sure, certainly, certainly. I want to point out one thing too. So when we talk about a dental practice, practice one, it's not an ice cream shop. A, practice, a, a dental practice, when you're a solo practitioner and you, you're, you're Dr. Awesome, the reason why you're Dr. Awesome is you're not a maverick leader manager. You're a maverick producer. You're an artist. So when you have a $2.5 million, $3 million, whatever we consider completely awesome practice, and then you go leave it to open up another one, if you don't have another Dr. Awesome in your wake, you don't have a, a real scalable business because what we're talking about is scaling talent, not resources. Yep, freelancer and entrepreneur. Yeah. You know? So if you're the freelancer and you're making all the money and you're, you're the reason why the practice is making money and then you leave that location – to go do it at the other place, the other location will start making the money, but the producer is but, now. But in dentistry, there. we conflate the two is what I'm saying. We conflate yep. the idea of business and maverick producer. So yep. you don't have a replicable, replicable, replicable business. You have just outstanding talent. Yep. And if you don't have a talent pipeline, then you don't have scale. Yep. So I would bet of the, uh, you know, 4 million now listeners, I think, is that tunes in every day, 4 million, yeah, including the ones the, in India. Yes. Yeah. I would think that the uh, 4 million listeners, there's a lot of people, CEOs, uh, dentist CEOs who are resonating with what we're talking about right now and looking back and going, I wish I hadn't opened that second practice. And, uh, and, and so we can speak to what they can do to, to fix that anxiety pretty quickly. But, um, but for those that are looking to expand, uh, let, let's just go back to what we're saying, leveraging fixed assets. So I'm going to give an exact example, uh, and, and this is a friend of mine. I won't, I won't say his name, but, but we just had this conversation um, a week ago, two weeks ago. So here he is. He's doing about 1.3, 1.4. He's a solo doc. He has six ops. He has a space next to him 
with uh, probably room for two more, maybe three more operatories. But he's convinced that it's time for him to open up on the other side of town. Okay, so what I sat down with him, as I said, all right, so I need you to understand what leveraging your fixed assets means because if you are at, if you're busting at the seams and there's nowhere to go, meaning your space capacity is completely full, then and only then do you actually go and invest in another location. And so what I helped him to understand is let's look at your P&L. Like let's start looking at your revenue and what you're getting out of each operatory and what you could be getting if you expanded two more, you know, and look at how your fixed costs and your variable costs play into that expansion and what that does to the bottom line versus going and doing this investment on the other side of town where you might actually end up with a lower profit margin, but more operatories. So, and more stress, you know, showing up to a place with, with, I, I think he has six ops, but showing up to a place with nine ops versus six ops is very little incremental stress, you know, versus having 12 total ops, six here and six there, you know? So um, anyways, Pete, you know, you asked me a pretty specific question uh, on, on when to expand and I'm kind of giving a general answer on things to be looking at. So maybe focus my, it's too well, early over here. I, I, I like, I like, you know, Tim at our summit, when you spoke at our summit, you had a very interesting thing about like the um, entrepreneur and freelancer and like what, you know, the freelancer who thinks he's an entrepreneur and he goes over and he opens up practice two and now practice two is being paid for by practice one. So what do you do again? You actually open up practice three and now practice two and three are being paid for by practice one and then it all buckles and then what do you do and you ask yeah. the you ask the audience and i think someone yelled out you become a consultant at yeah. that point <laughs> so i thought that was really... very successful as telling other people yes i wrote in the 70s i scaled to three offices i didn't tell you that they all completely yeah i sold it to a dso as a success story no it wasn't it was like your goal it was a way to get the hell out but... I, I sold it. I have an 11 year earn back. It was an, yeah, it was an asset sale. I sold it for $14, but I'll, I'll win in the long run. Doesn't matter. It still stock. makes the cover of the book. How to, how to grow your office to three uh, three locations in three years. Yeah. So, so expansion, expansion across a, a region is exciting. Across the town is exciting. I'd pick an 80 op office every day. So you know, an 80 now, op office. We got a guy coming in the podcast in a little bit. The guy is building a 29 thousand square foot freaking awesome. complex nice but I, but I, but unlike the two of you who can come pontificate in a larger footprint um i could tell you the unique challenges <laughs> that that brings so cool. go ahead and tell me what it's like to well you only have like like you only put like seven ops in nineteen thousand square feet or whatever so <laughs> oh my god so, you're vicious today peter sweet, sweet hey drop a comment if you think Pete, drop a comment in the in the in the notes here if you think peter's being overly aggressive and harassing me <laughs> this is the age of woke bro you can't you can't you can't use your microaggression on what is that the right term uh, tim? micro what, what tim what is uh what's the right term for this <laughs> why are you asking tim because he's no because tim lives on the left he lives yeah, yeah, let me let me, let me consult with my portland people <laughs> yeah outside my door right now <laughs> yeah they're they're actually protesting right now just go outside hey guys <laughs> hey guys oh, on a podcast. this is gonna get weird quickly it's, it's my, my friday is gonna be weird <laughs> this is awesome all right i'm gonna i'm gonna drop off right now uh, you guys handle the rest so tim i agree with you on, on there should be some things that you mentally go through a checklist on yep. and be self-aware i think being aware that this is what you want to do is the first step, right? Like envision to take a Craig Spodak like vision thing and write this down and what this looks like and does it, how does it feel? And, you know, do I love having two practices and here's what my day looks like, right? Like go through that process, number one. 
Yeah. Because a lot of times we get so excited by the DSO narrative that, and we see that that's, oh, that's the way to exit. And that's the way to get out of the chair and all these things that you forget that there's a lot of execution in that. There's a lot of implementation and it's a 10 year, probably five year runway. That's, that could be very painful for you and it could blow up in your face. So I think that would be step number one. I think step number two would be, like you said, who is going to be the thoroughbred on the ground in that second location? Because you cannot just split yourself in two and be in both places at once. If you have a hired gun, quote unquote, if you have just an associate who really has one foot in, one foot out, and like, yeah, you're just going to find this, just going to find an associate to work there. I've heard that so many times. It's going to find someone to work. That person will have zero skin in the game and they will care zero about what you've done. Right. Because they are there to get their, you know, per diem potentially. Um, so you have to find someone, in my opinion, who is going to be a future partner and sees the vision that you laid out in step one. Okay. Um, and that partnership doesn't have to happen, but it has to be someone that you can envision being taking that journey with you because they're going to be responsible for that with you. The third thing is, is you have to have a system of operations that you can take, like no different than if you're buying a Subway franchise, you get a manual that says, here's how we do shit. Here's how we make sandwiches. Here's how we answer the phone. Here's how we market. All these things are in the manual. It doesn't have to be a manual, but you have to have an SOP, a standard system of of protocols and operations that you can then take there, right? Um, and And then the third thing is I think you have to be, you have to have a pretty good war chest of money because you're not going to be profitable right out the gate. You're going to have debt service on a lot of this investment. And the worst thing to do is start getting into a place where you're frenetic about cash flow. Yeah. Scared money. Those are the four things that I would say. Those are the, those are the things that I look at um, and make sure I, I check the box. And I always say like, you find me a thoroughbred, you know, cause winners always win. You find me someone who's a, just a born winner and I will build a practice around you because it just works. Right. And luckily I've gotten, you know, on my, on my squad is just guys and gals who are just badasses. So one yeah. thing, one thing to bring up, and this is a subtle nuance, but I want the listener to understand this. So I, I was recently talking to a dentist a couple of days ago and he said, well, there's a, there's this amazing practice. It does two and a half million dollars a year. The owner's just a rock star, thoroughbred, and he wants me to buy into his practice. I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. What's the plan? Well, I'm going to buy into that location because it's doing two and a half. I'm going to buy, you know, 40% of that. And then the owner doc is going to open up another one. I'm like, oh, cool. So you're going to hold down that fort while he goes off and goes off and builds the enterprise value. Oh, well, no, no, I'm not buying into the new practice. So he's going to buy the built practice and then he doesn't have, and then that owner, you know, Maverick producer, $2 million producer is going to go to the new practice and leave that old practice and he's going to own that. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes back to entrepreneur and freelancer though, right? Because that actually could be a good situation for someone who just wants to do clinical dentistry, buys their, you know, stability and never has any part in the larger game. You, the three of us, but then they're, like that they're gets paying, me... they're paying a premium though yeah. for, a. Yeah. I mean, like if Hartling comes over and buys your practice, you don't have an ability to just walk away typically unless, <laughs> unless you're not producing. Yeah, exactly. So what you hit on gives up me sweaty palms when you're talking about it. But, but you know, for someone out Same. there, they may want to just buy their job. And that's what that guy just did. He's buying his job. And probably depending on how much room there is to grow in that two and a half million, he might be overpaying massively if there can't be any more growth. You know, if that's a five op practice, he- Or if he can't do two and a half million. 
So if you, you know, if you buy someone's, if you buy LeBron's job, LeBron is a freak of nature. He does, he performs basketball at a level that if you can't perform at LeBron, then it's hard to do that. It's hard to pay something at that level. So it's just an interesting thing because we conflate the practice and the provider in dentistry. So we say that practice is amazing, but it's actually the provider that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's very difficult for dentists to understand that they're like, that's a gold mine. You know, ADS at Highland uh, at the Highlands is a gold mine. No, it's because the doctor there busts his ass. You put the wrong doctor in there, and I see that better than anybody. You know, I think because I have so many doctors in the same ecosystem, doctors that can't make more than a hygienist, and I have to part ways with them, and then doctors that produce two and a half million dollars a year. Same ecosystem, same assistant, mm-hmm. same room, same, same, same at bats, same at bats. Everything's yeah. the same, yeah. and it's just hard for people to take a look in the mirror and say. What is that person bringing to the to the day that I am not? It must be there's the system's rigged or they're getting all these patients or no, they're not. They're getting the same patients. I've had patients see a see a doctor before that have literally told the doctor, I only want to pay what my insurance will cover. And then the patient invariably comes back at the next visit and sees another doctor and the other doctor has a conversation like, What would you like to change about your smile? And then all of a sudden that same patient forks over 35 G's for like veneers. Same person. So it's just amazing in dentistry how we, we tend to blame the situation. That's the lure, the allure of the office across town. Yeah, the, over here, you know, I'm right by the KFC. That one's by a Lululemon. If I just practice by a Lululemon, they're all going to say yes over there. I say bullshit to that. Yeah. I think it's an easy narrative to swallow, but it's the wrong thing. Yeah, Sorry. and I'm, what you guys are talking about is some pretty, pretty powerful stuff, and I want to restate it in, in my own words uh, and, and maybe hopefully connect with every single listener out there. So what what's interesting about the two and a half million dollar purchase just closing a couple of loops is that what i was trying to make a point of is that you got to understand that you're a provider or you're a ceo and if you own the business you have to understand that the work you do as the employee the dentist is separate than the work you do as the ceo and calculating your hours and confusing those hours as one is is not how you should be looking at your business so if you're going to buy into a two and a half million dollar practice you have ceo responsibilities in addition to producing whatever is needed there to, to keep your business afloat, you're buying that job. That can be a good purchase, or you could just be the employee and probably have the exact same stability and not have those hours as a CEO and not have that debt. So you, you have to be looking at it. You, the, the purchaser, have to be looking at this and understanding what it is you're getting into. Owning a dental practice does not have to be the end answer being an employee of a high producing and you being that high producer will bring you more money if money is what you're chasing and potentially more time than owning it. But if you're up for the, if you're up for owning, then start putting uh, kind of your money where your mouth is, put the money in, buy it, have the debt and take on some of those CEO responsibilities because that is what you're, what you're basically saying to the universe is I want to do more of the CEO shift, mm-hmm. not the dental shift. And yeah. so with that comes a lot more time and stress and, and management while you're also being the employee of the practice. So, so that, and, and, and I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole here, but now you take that philosophy and we go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of like, when should I expand or not expand? I want to be the CEO. I want to have the, uh, the, the, the freelancer or the doctor be the employee. I want to, uh, Pete said, you know, Hey, one way to do it, and, and it's how I have done it, but it's not the only way that's been successful, and that is to have the partner, like get a partner in there so they're as invested in the, in the business as you are. The more the times I partner, partner at least. Up, 
someone that I didn't say a partner because I don't think that's you don't have to that hasn't had to be a requirement. I just want to clarify, like a someone that partner. You would, yeah, someone that you would envision being your partner, right? Great. Um, so Great. Well, yeah, and 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 so yes, perfect. Thank you. And what I'm getting at though is that as I fuck this up more and more and more, uh, even some of the partnerships that I've had and and some of the you know practices I'm buying now without partners. Um, what I need to make sure that I'm doing, and so therefore I would hope that all the listeners are seeing it too, is just what I said. Make sure you understand the CEO responsibilities and the provider responsibilities. And when you partner with someone that you're expecting to do both, you're going to stress them the fuck out and they're going to break. If you are, if you are expanding into a new location and you're doing it with other people, recognize that their partnership value is either them being the employee, right? and locking that, that kind of relationship in, you don't have to give ownership in order to lock that relationship in. You could just make it a great job, like an amazing job that they would never wanna go anywhere else at. But if you do that, you have to recognize that you are responsible for all the CEO stuff. It's not up to that employee to lead your office while you're you know, somewhere else. And I don't know if I'm, I'm going too far down the rabbit hole now getting, getting confusing the listener, even, even you guys are. No, I think so, it's, but. I think it's clear. I just think it's also, it's not always so cut and dry in my opinion, Tim. It's, right. I think this idea of functional ownership, like you look at any good part, like Peter and I are partners. He has very unique strengths that cover weaknesses of mine and like vice versa. So I like this, this idea of functional ownership where they don't have to step hundred percent into CEO. They, you know, if you are just a, if you're just a great, um, leader for the team. You're the person that's there to encouraging them. You're the guy on the, in the, on the ground, boots on the ground at the local level of the team. That provides really good ownership CEO type stuff. I mean, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to do it all. You don't have to review the PL. I mean, do you, all your partners review the PL with you, Pete? Oh, partners do, yeah. I mean, they get it. I don't, we don't review it to like, but like if the expenses are high, it's like, are your partners coming in and saying like, Hey, Pete, I'm really concerned that supplies. Uh, they review it, but no, I mean, they trust that, you know, they know that right. I'm in it. Right. And that's so that's what I'm role. talking about. Functional ownership. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah. And, and Craig, what I'm not saying is that there shouldn't be zones amongst the partners. I guess what I'm poorly articulating is that what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that expansion can happen with, with pre-partners, partners, or associates and understanding that if you are going the employer employee route with associates, all it means is that you should expect that person to be an employee and the meaning you need to build up your leadership systems more and understand that your job is more of the leadership across some decentralized operations, meaning clinics all over freaking town. You have to be dialed in on that if you're going the associate or employer employee route. If you go the pre-partner, you should be helping them to understand their role as a partner and you should be able to pull back from some of the CEO responsibilities and if they are not doing those CEO responsibilities, then they shouldn't be a partner. They should be an employee. That, that's, that's, that's the that's, that's thing. Perfect. That's perfectly perfect. said. Perfectly said. Um, yeah, perfectly said. Uh, the, the other thing is sometimes the math, you know, I'll have someone say, look, look, I'm doing like six, I'm doing like a, you know, a million and a half out of these six ops. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to open up six more ops and do the same. And it's not one plus one equals, you know, two. It's one plus one potentially could equal two. Right. But there's a lot, there's a lot of fuzzy math in that, you know, and um, it's, it's definitely a risk reward relationship, meaning that some people are just are not comfortable, right? If you just want to produce dentistry, like Tim said, you know, if you just want to be the dentist, that's a way safer, way more predictable way to get um, wealth. Right. If, if you like the risk and you like the entrepreneur and you like the, 
the, uh, yeah, know thyself. You know that that's what you want. Going back to kind of one of my steps, right, the first one, you know, you're going to take the risk, but potentially there could be a much bigger reward than just being the practitioner. And I think, we're, I think we're being sold a lot in, in, and maybe I'm out of touch with it, but it feels to me, and I'd love to hear Tim, you, you, I feel like you, you've got your ear to like what, what's being sold to Dennis a little bit more than I do. It, it's being sold. It, it feels like it's being sold that in order to be quote successful, I'm using finger quotes for those listening, you have to expand, you have to escape the op, you have to do this, you have to follow this playbook. And and if you're not doing that, it feels like you're a failure. There's, there's almost shame in like, I remember I've just had certain, certain situations in my professional career where I'm at lectures and people are like, oh yeah, you still practice. Like, is that, a, is that some sort of bad thing? Because like, if, and people are like, well, I want to make money when I'm not working. Well, great. If you're a dentist and you make, you're an associate and you're making a couple hundred grand and you're buying like real estate, shopping centers and investing, you're making money when you're sleeping. Yeah. You you're don't have to, and you're also diversifying your earnings. You're not owning a practice that has your job. You have a job and then you have investments and that's pretty freaking cool. I mean, the one way to make a lot of money, a very wealthy person once told me is like the, the one way that most of my friends have made their money and uh, is concentration in one specific area, one specific asset. And he also said the same time, one of the ways all my friends have always lost their money is concentration in one specific yeah, area. The way to keep the money is diversification, right? Right. So if you want, to, <laughs> so it's this idea, and I want to hear your thought on it, Tim. Do you believe that the dentist out there, the, the, the new dentist, the guy that's practicing less than 10 years, is he being told or is there a, a significant amount of material being marketed to him that he has to do this? Yeah, it's, 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 it's the reason why I get on podcasts and it's the reason why I'll you know, spend my time going to, uh, to an event here or there. It's because what's, what's the most uh, kind of eye-opening, disappointing, uh, amazing thing I continue to see is this thought that um, you need to be a successful business you know, man or woman in addition to being a successful clinician. And again, it goes back to kind of like separating this out, understanding CEO and understanding uh, the, the, the provider and, uh, and the responsibilities that go with both of them. But, but yes, I mean, Craig, the reason why I, I aligned with you guys so quickly uh, a few years ago is because you guys are one of the only ones who stand up and go, it's okay. Like, what are we talking about? Are we really, are we really steering people away from being a dentist? Like, that's a huge accomplishment. Why are we, why is that not the end or, or, you know, something to, to land on and, and feel proud of it, And then, and then, uh, you know, here's a perfect example. All right. All right. We hope everyone is getting massive value from listening to this podcast. If you are, we're going to ask a couple things in return. First, review us on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, the easiest way is to pick up your phone, open the podcast app, click on the album art, and then scroll all the way through the episodes and you'll see review at the bottom. Go ahead and bang out the stars that we deserve. Second thing, if you haven't signed up for our text uh, list to get notified of special offers or the next summit or whatever it may be, uh, make sure to text the words bulletproof to 33777. That's 33777 and the word is bulletproof. Third thing is we've got the book, as most of you all know, but we've also got the audible version that Dr. Spodak spent three days in studio and it was an arduous task and he crushed it. He really should be an audible book episode. That's it, everyone. Hope you're having a great day and we'll see you soon.
understanding of, of how to run a business and the detail that goes into understanding that business from, from the financials, like really understanding the financials, how many dentists out there, and, and if you're listening, how many of you can say you understand what a cash flow statement is? Like you could stand up in front of a thousand people and, and explain what a cash flow statement is. You know, um, you should though, right? You should be able to at least understand your cash balances and how, how that flows through the company, uh, but you don't really take the time to do that. Um, that's owning a business. The, the, the leadership, the calmness, the stability, the motivation that goes into pointing your employees in the right direction. How many of us are spending enough time growing that skill? Well, that's what it takes to run a successful business. You know, we, we don't understand, we as, and I say this even myself, including, we don't understand the difficulty of what it takes to actually run a successful business while being a provider. And so what I'm, and, and, and I, I don't want to rant too much here, but here's an example. I was speaking to a dental student and I don't speak to dental students uh, enough. I, I love talking to, to dental students because I feel like they're at the moment in their career where you can impact them the most, right? And I was speaking to one and he essentially said uh, that he doesn't want to, he wants to own all these practices. Like every dental student right now wants to own 10 practices, right? And this guy's going to be the one that does it. I mean, he might be, but he explained that he doesn't really want to have a business that he has to manage too much. And I'm like, holy hell, bud. Wow. Like you don't even understand what you're saying. And you're telling me, and this guy's a motivated dental student, meaning I don't know if he was second year or third year, and he's already talking about, you know, his entrepreneur efforts. And I'm like, what you're saying tells me that you need to change the dial on your podcast channel because whomever you're listening to is making it seem that it's holy easy, which shit. probably means their business looks like shit or they have not or are not being truthful with you. So anyway, so when he says things like, I'm going to own 10 practices, but here's what I really, how I expect this to kind of play out and roll out is I'm not really going to have to be that involved in the management. I'm like, dude, you're, 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 you're in for a really interesting time over the next five years. So uh, long story short, for some fucking reason, the leaders of this industry are one pitching shit they've never done, but that, that I think maybe happens in every industry. So there's, there's grace there, but for whatever reason, there's this um, thought that, that being the successful CEO is somehow uh, uh, more impressive than being the successful dentist. Yeah. And I don't think that's actually true. I, I think now I come from a business world, so I get to like be around businessmen before I became into the, into the dental. So I get to compare it. I think being a clinician is much more difficult than being a successful businessman. And that is what dentists should be proud of. Uh, the combo of both, great. Yeah, just understand that, man, you are really gonna wreck half a decade being focused to be successful at both. But but anyways, I don't know if that answers it, Craig, because I could probably well, go it, off it does. three fucking minutes, but. It, it does, but you know, I, I find there's, there, and I probably talk about this a lot, but there's like a fork in the in the trajectory of a dentist. There's the guys like you, Tim. I mean, how long were you a practicing dentist for? Uh, seven months. Okay. So like, that's the common guy that goes into business. So like my buddy who owns, uh, you know, big, um, all my buddies who have ever owned large DSOs, I got a couple of buddies that have owned like 20, 20 to 50 location DSOs. That's the commonality less than five years in dentistry. Um, and then Peter, you're kind of the anomaly. You you're like FAGD, AACD, like you really, really developed all the way through your professional career like you're at the top of the food chain like doing aesthetic stuff the stuff that people dream about 
Like people like, you know, there's a lot of aesthetic dentists out there. They're like, geez, I wish I didn't have to do all these fillings. I wish I could do more veneer cases. You had it all. And you're like, mm, that's not making it for me. That's not enough. I want, I want something more. I want more fulfillment. I want more experiences. And that's what had you do this. But I think when I, and I wrote in the text to us, I said, know thyself. And I know I always go back to this, but we, we take a very, we take a cursory amount of information, a podcast or someone says something to us and we base our life on it. And we don't look back to the goal. And we chase that decade that you're talking about, Tim. We chase that 15, 20 years. And all of a sudden we're like, what the fuck? I got it all. And now I'm fucking depressed or I'm unhappy or I'm not fulfilled. And that is the biggest curse that you can have, getting everything you ever wanted in life and still being unfulfilled. And the reason is because we spend the smallest amount of, in, of time on knowing thyself. We make a fucking mm -hmm. minute of a decision. Then we, we hook on to some consultant and then we're off to the races. So like I was in Aspen last week, I was with Andrew Turchin. Um, I'm going to, I think we're going to have him on the okay. podcast. Awesome guy. Yeah. Tim, you know, him. freaking amazing human being. And I go to his office, I'm looking at his life and like he does dentistry and I do dentistry. So we both have that commonality, but like, I really kind of found myself envious of him because um, not, you know, not envious in a bad way, but like really proud of him because he got, he has his dentistry, which I have, and he has nothing ancillary. So I had to really take inventory, like has everything I've done outside of dentistry, like in the entrepreneurial world, hiring associates, scaling my business, has that brought me fulfillment? I can say, yes, it has, but I do feel a certain sense of like, what if I didn't have all that? Would I be happier? And, and there is pressure on me to say like, oh, I have to go to work. But every time I show up to work and I put in a full day, I leave happier. So it's this very interesting, I, I guess I'm, I'm rambling here, but I'm saying to the listener, there's no guilt, there's no shame. Figure out how you feel after you've done something. Not thinking about how it will feel, but how do you feel after you've done it? If you put a full day in the clinic and you call your patients, your patients are, you go to dinner and like, hi, Dr. McNamara, nice to see you, or Dr. whatever, nice to see you, and you feel really good about that, then guess what? You're meant to do that. And don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise because you can do everything that they told you to do or people tell you to do and wind up really upset. And I don't want to see that anybody happen. But just like you know this, right? You said in the beginning of the podcast, you said that you and I have a fun, you know strengths and weaknesses in each. But 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 if you do want to expand, just because you're a great clinician, meaning you can still do that, but understand that that's probably not where your superpower is, and you need to at least hire for that right. if you want expansion. Mm -hmm. And don't or, assume yeah. that just because you had success in one that uniquely qualifies you for success at two. It's exactly. not the same. Exactly. Yeah. So, so Pete, what you're hitting on is exactly it. And, and I've said it uh, not as, not as cleanly as you just did, but it's, it's, if you're going to expand, you either have a CEO role or you have provider role, pick which one you, you enjoy. And if you want to do half and half, great. Just make sure you understand you're covering your ass by hiring for the other stuff. That's why going from one to two costs more money mm -hmm. because it requires more leadership and maybe more providers. So now all of a sudden you have this extra amount of, uh, of, of you know, cash flow exiting your bank account. Make sure you understand that because it's not one-to-one. -one. You have to hire for the deficiency that, that Im immediately shows itself in provider and CEO skill when you expand. Yep. Done. Yeah. And then also what, when you talk about your P&L, and I just want to touch on this, if you're a $1 million dentist, you produce a million dollars and you want to be CEO and you no longer practice clinical dentistry, your value to the organization, your salary as CEO is a million dollars. Are you a million dollar CEO? That's a pretty good CEO. You better be a million dollar CEO or you better hybridize it. Yeah, you're, P, you are a million dollar CEO easily.
easily. And that's what you were probably producing that. Pete gave, raised his finger when he was talking to him. You were probably, what were you producing? Like when one you're five. One, five. one five. So, yeah. But I mean, you're a million dollar CEO all day long. No problem. Um, thank you, buddy. Yeah, that was but nice it, but considering it, I, I, I busted on you earlier in the podcast. And yeah, it's like shit now. I really know, press on it, Craig. Really no, do everything fine, you bro. want right now. It's all good, bro. Um, yeah. So Tim, I think that, I think that, I think that wraps it and puts a bow on it. I think there's all the things we've talked about and, 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 if you are listening to this and you are in the, in this frame of mind of, I want another location or I want to expand, I think, I think unpack all the things that we've said and, and audit, you know, audit it in complexity so that you can say, yeah, I'm making a sound decision. Do not listen to the person who guides your money or, or guides your consulting or the channel that you listen to on the podcast, like spend some time and, and you do you, you know, yeah, we should, we should, I don't know if we've done this, but we should go through on a whiteboard and not today, but uh, on another episode where we normalize the P&L so people can like, we can put some numbers up and oh, like walk great. through it to say, do you understand what the bottom line is? And do you, have you actually, when you're looking at yours, is your employee line included on the top, which you guys know we've talked about a few times now, typically isn't. It's all lumped into the bottom and then you get confused I, on your CEO. And Tim, that's, that was like my, the first, when I just said four points, like, that is something that one of my takeaways was make sure that you're flush with cash. And I think that exercise you'll do is because lots of times we just look at what's our collections and we think, wow, my practice is doing 1.2. It's just me. I'm rich, right? I can expand no problem, but your cash flow sucks, yeah. right? And now you get in a scenario where you're going to have a couple of lean months or a COVID. Now you have two. And now you have the bank saying, hey, we still need our money. Yeah. And you're saying, holy shit. Right. So this and you also things, never paid yourself as an associate in you there. You never paid yourself. So right? you're like, so I have a 42% profit margin or 36% profit margin. Like, what do you pay yourself as an associate? Nothing. You don't have a profit margin then. So my advice is always, right? Like, make sure you have enough money to get the debt acquired. And then make sure you have enough left over from your war chest to pay for a year of that debt service at least. Yeah, yeah. And, and the extra leadership level or, or right. Or well, that's, that, I'm, just, I'm just saying from an infrastructure standpoint, yeah, right? Because right. it shouldn't be that, oh, I can almost get, I can almost get this approved and, and worked into my budget kind of thing. No, 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 no. If you can't buy it, you know, like Jay-Z says, if you can't buy it twice, don't, you can't afford it. Yeah. And that, you know, Naval Ravikant talks about, you know, Naval, I Tim, do you know Naval Ravikant? Mm -mm. Oh, he's freaking awesome. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. But he says, um, He's the Confucius of our time. Tim. Yeah, he really is. He's the financial Confucius. No, he's but, an everything um, Confucius, not just financial. Anyway. No, I forgot what he said, bro. Damn. He just, we, really, he just, we really suck off Naval on this podcast a lot, Tim, just so you know. No, Has he been on yet? Oh, my no, God. Dude, he's great. like a big deal. He no, well, what do you mean big deal? We got Michael Michalowicz coming out. That, that's true. Or probably yeah, already out true. by the time this came out. He's seven-time author. That's true. But Naval um, seems like... Like, oh yeah, I know what he said. So yeah, he's, he's got, he's mysterious. But um, what he said was, he said like, you know, that's, he was talking about like wealth and he said like many doctors and professionals don't get wealthy because their money doesn't come in events typically. And when, when your money doesn't come in an event, you find yourself slowly creeping up what you spend. And dentists are notorious for this, unfortunately. So we make really good money and we don't retire on time. So you can make a million dollars a year and be completely broke, or you can make $75,000 a year and be completely rich after a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the, one of the major our lifestyle, curses. Our lifestyle, yeah. It, it just creeps it up. comes in and yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. It is actually sad. And that part of that comes from the confusion around your P&L because yeah. you actually don't know what you make. If you ask the average dentist, like, what do you really, really make? What's your business really netting? What you earn and then what your distribution is. They can't answer that. When you have that ambiguity, you just, then you feel flush. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy the Sarek. I'll buy the Porsche. I'll do that. Yeah, what the hell? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's why you got to separate out CEO money, you know, EBITDA, profit margin, and, and employer money, you know, a line yeah, item. And that's it. vital for step one. You, Meaning yeah. you do that before you buy two. Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. that. That P&L exercise, whiteboard. understand that. That has to be our part two because we can't. Yeah, well, let's, the, let's do we it have inside the mastermind. I'll, I'll do it inside that mastermind and, and it'll be good, man. That'll I'll be awesome. On yeah, fire. That'll be great. So. Do you have a formula for that, Tim? I can go through and actually just do the PNL and we'll make up numbers and then I'll show you how to get the line there. And then what, what can happen? That, is what happened to that? Yeah, space fancy. Yeah, you have space, space whiteboard you had that yeah. electronic one. Yeah, it's off. It's off to the right. That's my. That's a beautiful thing. Digital whiteboard, right? That's what you guys are talking about. Yeah, meanwhile, yeah. We spent like twenty time. minutes like trying to work that out. That one podcast. <laughs> meanwhile, you're still using the the old school. Yeah, I, know. I love it. I got I got the the you know the eighty grand whiteboard over here. Let me use the fourteen dollars yeah. board I got from Home Depot. Tim's a type of guy. Board. Tim's got a blender that has Bluetooth at home too, like some sort of like he can like pre-make a smoothie and all that. It, it shit. also talks to my barbecue, so it's right, good. right, right. Uh, I'll plan. But he still yeah, uses a spoon. He uses a laptop for his green egg. <laughs> uh, it's, all right, well, buddy, that was awesome. Honestly, I think it's, um, I think that was a needed conversation. I think all the three of us get that privately from from dentists that were you know, seek advice from us. I hear it a lot. You know, I went with you got it. How'd you do the multiple? I'm going to do that too. And so I think there's a lot of them. Um, I think that should help a lot of people and, and no so, path is the right one. Right. Yeah. It's why why I love bulletproof so much in you two is that you guys are unafraid to talk about the failures. And the only reason I can even be on something like this is because I fucked it up more than anyone else out there. And so all of my failures with, with partnerships, with practices, with mindset, with all of that, uh, what we just spoke to was because I've screwed that up. So, you know, hopefully my hairline uh, is the only one that, that continues to recede and the listeners have, have big hair. But, you know, but you, but here's what I, I want to say something on you. You continue. Yes, of course, we all have made mistakes and right. And we relish in our successes and we kind of like, yeah, we learn from mistakes, but you keep taking shots on goal, right? You don't, you don't go all in and expect that you're just going to win, right? You, you hedge your bets and you, and you keep taking shots on goal, I call it. And a lot of people are just capable of doing that. And I read a quote today. I'm reading a book this morning. Actually, Tommy Breedlove's book, Craig. And, it's, and it says, fear kills more dreams than failure ever will, yeah. right? And that's what I think is, is good. You just, you're in the game, Tim. And I know you've made mistakes. And that's what makes you have the chops to be able to talk the way you do. Um. But look, you know, life is about, you know, mistakes are just accelerated learning and you've excelled and you've had a lot of learning. And I think there's also this idea too, Tim, that it's another idea that people are not meant to fall down and break down. And there's this, you've, I love the fact that we speak about like giving people the permission to know that you're going to have a lot of fuck ups and that's what makes people happy. Happiness is equated to progress, not hope, not luck progress you know you look at the most icon the david goggins the whoever it is you don't you just but don't let it become your story this being said though guys i want to say something that a mistake of this magnitude what we're talking about could be catastrophic yeah yeah yes and even if it is even if it is though even if it is so well let's talk about the guy right now that's listening like oh shit they're talking about me 
I've just, I swung my doors open on my third practice in January, COVID hits. Yep. I'm working my ass off trying to cover it all. It, it is not catastrophic, meaning it is not something that cannot be recovered from. It's, right. it's just easy. Let me recover them from it right now. The best team will fucking win. So if you are spread out and you, are, you don't have uh, the practices doing what you want, look at your freaking team. Either the provider is not up to par, which means actively start to replace that and get the best damn provider. You, you talk about 30% versus 35% of net production or collection. Who gives a fuck if you are awake for an entire week and you could have this guy who could come or a girl who could come join your team and, and solidify that. So that's on the employee side. On, on uh, the CEO side, what is it that's stressing you out? Is, is if you've spread out, you're, you're thin on cash, I get it. But getting someone who is capable of running three practices will pay for itself within a quarter. Yeah, versus, but, and, like, and by the way, Tim, let's say that's- promoting your assistant to be your regional manager who's now fucking up a $5 million business. Right, and, let, and people get hung up on yearly salary too, Tim. I just wanna say this. So let's say you meet a CEO that's like, I want a 150. Like 150, you're not coughing up 150. That's 150 over the year. You'll know in 90 days whether or not this person's a rock star or not. So what have you really lost? You know exactly what I mean? Exactly. And you and I have talked about this like a while ago, right? Like, man, we think that, uh, and, and I, I want to be respectful of everyone's time here. So I feel like maybe this is part two. But we think that when we look at, um, you know, our cash flow for, for our team and we figure out the, the holes and the gaps, it's almost like, and it's called, I think, the Peter principle, but, you know, where we're promoting our yeah, best assistant mine. up and up and up and up, and uh, that might work out. But what could be even cooler is going out and getting the hospital exec that has 600 employees who's asking 125, and you bring him into your $4 million business, and you watch your $4 million business go to six, because yeah. this person is like, this is child's play, you know, so... And also, having said all that too, don't, you know, there's a great book, Turn the Ship Around, and it's talking about the worst naval ship in the fleet, and then some iconic captain comes over. It's not, it's twofold. It's not that you have, because I hear Dennis thinking they have the wrong people. They also have the wrong leadership skill too. So you have to be work dual tracking. You have to find the right people, but work on yourself to uh, get them to be the next level as well. But Tim, I think another thing too, you could, something that you spoke about is saying like finding out identifying where you're strong and right. And, and so I think that's a good exercise too. I want to throw that in as maybe step five before you expand. And when I went through the one through four is that identify where you're strong, identify where, you know, where you're weak, identify where there's an opportunity and a threat in all these scenarios and really get crystal clear with that and make, and I actually encourage people to do it with their team so that there's alignment. And because sometimes we as dentists don't even know some of the problems, you know, in, that are going on or opportunities that are going on or strengths that are going on. Right. So I think that's another key thing. I think that will also help craft the culture in the second relation. And, and um, I think that'll help craft the operationals procedures, all those things. So do you ever do a SWOT analysis? I've done. Yeah. Many, I do a gap analysis uh, now instead of SWOT. So let's oh, really? let's make your second best episode. I'll bring some of my strategy tools <laughs> and we'll go through it. Uh, but yeah, gap analysis, there's a few, uh, and, and we could even go through some work breakdown schedule type stuff, meaning, meaning uh, a project management stuff. Like you want to get shit done. I'll, I'll show you some, some industry tools. Uh, you know, is that what the podcast will be called? Get shit done. Get shit done. <laughs> get shit done. Speaking of getting shit done. I know we have a hard stop. We respect your time, Tim. That was awesome. Amazing. We covered a lot of ground. I hope the listeners liked it. If you liked what we had to say, you like what we usually have to say, please drop a rating in our 
review section of the whatever podcast platform. People have been good to. good to us. That's Tim. That's usually our only ask. You know, we don't do ads, and we don't do ads. As you know, we probably don't we don't do promos and ads and stuff, and we just ask people. But our 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 bulletproofers have uh, been really rocketing up the the, yeah. the uh, reviews, which helps bring awareness to a lot of people. So thank you for doing that. It's pretty cool. It helps yeah, validate us. Speaking to the listeners now, if you're hearing a different message here from these two, I, I love I love watching your guys' growth across the industry. It's why I'm so supportive of it. I'll come back anytime you guys want. Uh, the honesty and the transparency of uh, of the difficulty of of what we've chosen, CEO, dentist, dentist, or just CEO. Uh, it's difficult. So I love the way you guys uh, communicate I'm always here. Thanks, Thank buddy. you, buddy. All right. We'll have a great Friday, Tim, and uh, we'll see you later. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. See you next time. See you.